up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into Tethered, a podcast dedicated to helping followers of Jesus stay connected to Him day by day. My prayer for this episode is that it would encourage you, challenge you, and propel you to abide more deeply in Jesus. I hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's jump right on in. What's up, everyone? Once again, this is your host, Joey Morales. I really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop, and please share with your friends and family on social media, however you share things. I would really appreciate it. For this episode, I'm going to have a conversation with my good friend, Zach Gatoloi about the importance of repentance and how daily repentance over the brokenness of sin helps you cling to Jesus in order to stay tethered to Him during times of brokenness. Zach is a 22-year-old from Raymore, Missouri. He is currently going to school at Calvary University and is pursuing a bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry. He is a member of Abundant Life in Lee Summit, Missouri. He is left-handed and is just an ordinary guy who knows an extraordinary God. I am excited to have Zach on the podcast to chat about sin, repentance, and brokenness. Without further ado, here's the conversation I had with Zach. Zach, my man, what is up? What a guy. This is how I usually uh, introduce myself to this guy. Zach, thank you so much for uh, coming on to Tether today. We are so grateful to have you. Um, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me. And I'm really excited to have you on to talk about really a heavy topic um, that I believe that every listener needs to understand um, just the importance of, you know, why sin is de- detrimental to somebody, but also how repentance and brokenness can lead to a restor- restored fellowship with God and how staying tethered to Jesus causes you to depend on Him more and more. So thank you, Zach, yeah. again for coming on. So do me uh, three things here. One, introduce yourself to the audience. And then also, what do you do besides attend school at Calvary? And then I got a fun question on here for you. And then three fun facts about you. All right. So my name is Zach. Uh, last name's Natalai. I am half Samoan. Uh, you know, my last name is very difficult. You know, people told G is like, oh, that's different. But um, uh, what I do besides attending school at Calvary, so um, some hobbies I like, I really enjoy drawing. You know, I really do love drawing. I uh, love arts, um, singing, choir, um, um, part of the worship team at Calvary. And I really love enjoying, you know, working out of the gym, you know, it's kind of therapeutic for me. Um, especially now with the new year, ironically, just the new year's resolution is to get back into get back in a rhythm of, you know, with my fitness. So that's awesome, bro. That's awesome. And then you also work at Culver's, right? Yes. Yes. I work at Culver's. So it's kind of difficult to like balance, you know, a good diet and eating well 
with you know working at a burger joint so it's it, it's hard at times but you know i'm able to manage you know i mean but but covers is still good though i actually uh got a chance to give a shout out to covers on an episode called what is love and it's awesome that you work there so again shout out to covers like that is my favorite thing about wisconsin so awesome and then um i got a fun question for you zach i actually had to ask someone in your community group for this for this because i didn't know what to ask you but after asking this person um i figured this would be a good question to ask you which movie series is better the lord of the rings or star wars and why so uh, it's it's hard because you know you gotta go with Star Wars. Right here, I got a little Darth Vader. Oh, we got a Darth Vader. Nice. Lego Star Wars. I have like a bunch of Lego Star Wars sets. And also another thing too, I I collect Legos. I love Legos. I grew up with Legos. Um that's hard, but Star Wars has to be on the edge because it's a it's a nostalgia factor for me. I grew up watching Star Wars. I love Lord of the Rings, but Star Wars gets the slight edge. The slight edge of just because I grew up watching it, you know. Yeah, for sure. Are you a big fan of the prequel, the original, or the sequel? Oh, prequels, mainly. I love the prequels, especially with the Clone Wars TV show. They go in depth um, in the prequels. So I think prequels is my favorite. I'll just say this real quick, but one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is fighting Anakin Skywalker towards the end. That is an epic battle, bro. It's like, it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. And that is just so iconic. A lot of memes in that movie, but still just some great acting from Ian McGregor. So, (laughs) That's awesome, man. And then just three fun facts about you. Oh, three fun facts. So I am left-handed. And the last time I heard, um, for the most, most of my life, 10% of the world is left-handed. But now, as of a few months ago, they bumped it up to 12%. So I'm in the 12% of the world who is left-handed. Um, I have three cats, you know, um, which I don't want to call myself a cat person. I love dogs, but I have cats right now. Um, one is 15. One is another one is 11. And the other one is seven, seven years old. So, um, I love my cats. Sometimes it can be a little annoying. Like I want to have my own personal space and they're just up in my business. They're very selective, but I love them. Um, and then another fun fact about me gosh uh, i don't know i also love to cook i love cooking let's go i love cooking saves you a lot of money you know you just get the pan you just know what to do why basically my youtube algorithm consists of sports working out and cooking and video games and that's it (laughs) nice nice um so for some of you guys that have listened to this podcast um something that I never mentioned about Bert. Bert actually mentions it himself. Uh, Bert is Samoan, and the guy I'm interviewing is also Samoan, and Samoans love chicken for some reason. Like, they love chicken. And so, man, Zach, I can see you cooking some good chicken right now. Oh, I love chicken. I had, like, chicken a while, like, a week ago. 
uh, grilled chicken. Oh, that's awesome, bro. Chicken, chicken, chicken nuggets, whatever it is. <laughs> nice. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all that, Zach. And again, I, I'm really appreciative for you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come to talk on Tethered about just the importance of understanding your sin and brokenness and, you know, how that can lead you to be tethered to Jesus as a result. So I'm actually recording today from a coffee shop, dear listener. I don't know if you noticed the noise in the background, but um, I'm actually at a place here in the Kansas City metropolitan area called Frost Coffee. And so if you ever come visit Kansas City for any particular reason, you got to come check out Frost. It is hype. It is awesome. But that's just a side note. Let's just get right on in. So awesome. So before I really get into talking with Zach, um, I want to take some time and define what sin is. And so a lot of you guys might have heard that like sin can refer to being like making mistakes or, you know, everybody, you know, causes problems, things like that. But sin is actually much more than that. And so if I were to add a, you know, definition to sin, it would be this. And this is uh, a definition that I got from GodQuestions.org. And it says, transgression of the law of God and rebellion against God. And so just to kind of give you a verse that backs up that sin is a transgression of the law of God. Uh, the first one comes from 1 John 3, 4, which says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And then there's two verses that support um, sin being rebellion against God. The first one comes from Deuteronomy 9-7, which says this, Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord, your God, to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came into this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. And then the second verse is actually Joshua 1.18, which says this, Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall be put to death. And then it goes to ends, only be strong and courageous. And so, Zach, what would you add to the definition of sin? So the definition of sin, you know, you kind of go back to the Greek word of sin. I forgot. Uh, I looked this up, like, as soon as hamartia, I believe. I'm not taking a Greek class yet, but um, basically the Greek word of sin is basically missing the mark you know when an archer goes to try to shoot a bullseye and they miss the bullseye or miss the mark they basically miss the mark and with that uh definition sin is basically missing the mark of god's standard you know that's where uh the definition of sin comes from gotcha that's good uh i know the study of sin in seminaries is called harmatology and so um it's really cool that you hinted in the greek word um that you mentioned there but yeah, sin is essentially this idea of like, again, like you said, Zach, it's missing the mark. It's taking an aim and you cannot hit that bullseye. If you listen to the episode, Jesus, What a Savior, I actually talk about that very concept of like, no matter what type of arrows you shoot, like you always miss the bullseye. You just always miss the board if you're sinning. And so God has this standard that's set and we always miss that standard. And so thank you for that definition. And then Zach, why is it important that a follower of Jesus understand the nature of sin? It's important for a follower of Jesus to understand the, the nature of sin 
because, you know, we are set apart when we accept Christ. We have been justified through believing in him. And we have to understand the nature of sin. You know, Paul talks about in Romans 7, like this wrestle of sanctification. He talks about the things he wants to do, he doesn't do. And the things he does, wants to do, he doesn't do. Or he doesn't want to do. It's a, it's a basic tongue twister. Um, but basically, Paul is saying that, you know, I want to live for God. I want to glorify Christ with my life. But there's still this nature of sin within my soul. Um, it's so important for us to understand that because, you know, it it, it is it is a constant war that we're at. You know, it all goes down to spiritual warfare. It's the flesh and the spirit, you know, combating at each other. And we have to know what that is. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I know, like, it's easy for us to, you know, think that we're just okay. Like, little things don't hurt the heart of God. But in reality, like, we inherit sin. And sin comes from Adam. And so, if you, if you know your Bible, um, obviously, the scripture speaks to the first man that was ever created named Adam. And he was created perfectly. He was created to be in harmony with God. And that harmony was severed because Adam sinned against the Lord by eating the fruit that he was forbidden to eat in the Garden of Eden. And so God put this standard on Adam and Eve. And he just told them this one thing. And they gave into that sin because... Satan obviously tempted them in the garden that, like, you know, this other fruit that was surrounding, it wasn't enough. Even though the Lord said you could eat of any tree in the garden. Um, Just this one tree, do not eat. And so, but Satan tempted, like, 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 do you want to be like God? Like, you can be like God, knowing good from evil. Like, knowing right from wrong. And so all you got to do is just take a little taste of this fruit from this tree, and you can be like God. And that is the core issue with sin, is that sin ultimately comes back to this fundamental understanding that sin is active rebellion against God. It's we wanting to become like God because we think we're God. We want to determine what's right and wrong. And so that's why... Dear listener, if you've noticed all the brokenness you see around the world, it's a result of sin. And so, Zach, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, No, you kind of nailed it on the head. You know, it goes back to the original sin of, you know, Adam and Eve basically disobeying God with eating the forbidden fruits. And that's what we all have to remember. And another thing to understand is that, you know, the original sin, you know, there's you see it all around the world, the brokenness of this world. You see uh, there's so much pain and hurt and division and tension with people, you know, and that goes back to the original sin. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. Um, So next thing I want to touch on is, you know, let's talk about how deep sin goes. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the difference between the sins of commission in the sense of omission. So if you're listening to this podcast, you might be a newer believer or let's say you've been walking with the Lord for a while and maybe not understand how far 
the definition of sin can go. And so I want to talk about the sense of commission first. So when you think of commission, think of commit. And so this is the definition of the sin of commission. It's a sin we take action to commit, whether in thought, word, or deed. A sin of commission can be intentional or unintentional. And a verse to back this up would be James 4.17, which says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so, Zach, what would you add to the definition of the sin of commission? Like you said, it's, you know, a commitment. You know, we take action to commit most of the time. We premeditate on a sin. Um, It's something that we're... Like you said, you know, the good that we're supposed to do, we don't do is basically a sin. So just kind of add on to that. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And an example of a sin of commission would be like, let's say, for example, if there's someone that's actively committing adultery against their spouse. And Mm -hmm. so that is intentionally sinning against both God and your spouse. And some, and then unintentional sin, like let's say if you accidentally kill somebody when you are driving in the car and i'm not trying to make light of you know any of that like i understand that you know that sometimes happens but unintentional sin can even be a result of like you doing something you probably didn't know was wrong but it was wrong so better way to explain it and so that's sin of commission the sin of omission is a sin that is the result of not doing something God's Word teaches that we should do. And so a verse to back this up is Romans 7, 14 through 20. This is the famous, I call it the tug of war verse, because this is essentially like Paul just kind of debating between both his evil and, you know, spiritual side. And this is what it says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am at the flesh sold under sin for i do not understand my own actions for i do not do what i want but i do the very thing that i hate now if i do what i do not want i agree with the law that it is good so now it is no longer i who do it but sin that dwells within me for i know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh in my flesh for i have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out for i do not Do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And so, Zach, what would you add to the definition of the sin of omission? Like you said, it's not not doing what, you know, God's word teaches. For example, today, like this is a perfect illustration that happened to me today. So, you know, I'm learning how to eat right. You know, I'm trying to, I'm tracking my calories and all that. And today I decided to have a cheat day and I got a $20 gift card to McDonald's for Christmas. And I basically spent all the $20 on one meal. I have like a double quarter pounder with cheese, large fry, large Coke, 10 piece big nugget, and like a three pieces, like three chocolate chip cookies. Right. And knowing that I'm trying to set a goal to eat right, I decided to treat myself, if you will. And it was about 2,500 calories. You know, I'm trying to stay under a certain amount of caloric um, intake 
for my body. That's kind of like the same thing. You know, we know what God says, you know, oh, we should, you know, flee sexual morality. We should abstain sexual morality. We should go to God when we're tempted. But we have a tendency, you know, this is just for an example, but to ponder on those lustful thoughts. We want to continue to fantasize that, even though that's not what God wants. He wants us to flee. He wants us to physically, mentally, most of the time, like physically flee from that temptation, get up and go to another place, another physical place. So that, that is a a good example of um, a sin of omission. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Thanks for providing that example. I would even say another example too, like, let's say if you're encouraging a brother to, um, to continue in his like things that cause him to struggle. Like let's say if someone comes to you, dear listener and like this, and that you know that they struggle with alcoholism and like you say, Hey, it's okay. You can go to the bar. It's not going to cause you to stumble. But in reality, you know that it causes him to stumble. And Jesus even says like, It'd be better if a millstone were wrapped around your neck and be thrown into the sea if you cause any of these to stumble. And so, like, the sin of omission, it just shows, like, there's nothing good that we can do, even though we know it's the right thing to do. And so, sin of omission is another way that we also sin against God. And then, uh, according to God questions here, too, so we're about to get a little theological, dear listeners, so hang on. Buckle in. We're going to go for a theological ride here. And so we're going to talk about basically the three natures of sin. So we're going to talk about inherited sin, imputed sin, and personal sin. And so just kind of give you like a very simple definition of each of those. So inherited sin obviously is the sinful nature that we inherit from Adam. And so all that were born in Adam inherit that sin nature. Um, Psalm 51.5 says this. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so we have this passed on depravity as GodQuestions.org says it. Um, and so every human being that has been born has inherited this sin nature. And so that's inherited sin. The next one I want to talk about is imputed sin. And so when you think of the word imputed, think of, of, a, of a financial term. And so the word imputed in the Greek just essentially means to take something that belongs to someone and credit it to another's account. And so from here's what I'm getting from GodQuestions.org as far as this definition. Before the law of Moses was given, sin was not imputed to man, although men were still sinners because of inherited sin. After the law was given, that's the Old Testament law, sins committed in violation of the law were imputed, that is, accounted to them. Even before transgressions of the law were imputed to men, the ultimate penalty for sin, death continued to reign. And so, all humans, therefore, from Adam and Moses were subject to death, not because of their sinful acts against the Mosaic law, but because of their in- own inherited sinful nature. And so that's imputed sin. So even though, like, like for example, like back then, when the flood was getting ready to occur, like Noah, the people that lived in Noah's time, they didn't have the law. But God still punished them for sin. Why is that? Because they in, they continued to live in that inherited nature, 
even though the law was not given, like murdering was wrong, doing all these sort of things were wrong. So therefore, the sin was imputed to them, and so that's a good example of imputed sin. And then the last one is personal sin. This is just、um, we've already touched on it by discussing about the sins of commission and omission. That is also called personal sin. It just essentially means that we intentionally commit sins. Like, and this includes like telling a white lie. Thinking a negative thought, thinking that you're better than other people, to as far as like committing murder, genocide,、um, those are all in the scope of sin. They're sin. So, in God, hates sin. Dear listener, let me make that abundantly clear. God hates sin, and you know why we sin? Because we're sinners. And God demands perfection in order to be in His presence. And so, I, I talked a little bit too much here, but Zach, I want to ask you a question, man.、Um, does God punish all sin equally? Well, yes, you know, because sin is basically, you know, not God's standard. You know, God punishes all sins equally. From the dirtiest sin of murder to just the little sin of a white lie, they all experience the same punishment. Yeah, yeah. And so, what we have to recognize, dear listener, is that because all sin is treated equally, God has to punish all sin equally.、Mm. And so, God has to. Execute justice on sinners because of their sin, and so we sin because we're sinners. Just let that sink in. And we're not saying these things to condemn you or to put place any sort of judgment. We're saying these things because the Word of God is honest, and we want you to know, dear listener, why it's important to have an abiding relationship with Jesus, which we'll get there. But Zach, why do you think, or why do you believe God hates sin so much? God, God hates sin so much, is because that was never His intention. You know, back in you know, go back to Genesis one one. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go through the six days. He created everything in order, and He said it was good. Until go back to Genesis three. The fall came, you know. God had order. God had intentions for everything, and then He just doesn't like sin. He hates sin. He does. He doesn't just doesn't like sin. He just hates it because that was his, never His intention to have sin. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for sharing that.、Um, what do you? What is the consequence of sin? The consequence of sin is eternal separation from God from birth. You know, with Eve, you know, you know, God said, you know, He had her entire like whoever she gives birth to will be eternally separated, and that's with us. You know, whenever we were conceived from our mother's womb, by default we have been separated from God, 
And that is the consequence of sin is that we have an eternal destination separated from God, essentially to hell, you know, because of sin. Yeah. Sin causes this separation, like you said, and sin has to be paid for. Like in the Old Testament, what was required for sin was death. And usually that required the sacrifice of an innocent animal. Their blood had to be shed. And God had to execute his wrath on that animal in order to atone for the sin. And so, dear listener, I know what I'm about to share is going to be really heavy. But if I don't share this, like, it's, it's, it's on me to not tell you the truth. But like Zach was saying, sin causes you to be separated from God. You are by nature his enemy. And you are by nature a child of wrath because of your sin. And because of that, we deserve the wrath of God to be poured out onto us. And so, again, I have good news for you, dear listener. But... Mm -hmm. Before we discuss this good news, um, I'm going to define the word brokenness. And so this is what the word brokenness is. Violated by transgression, not kept or honored, subdued completely, crushed, sorrowful, cut off, or you could even say disconnected or not being tethered, not being tethered according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And so, Zach, what would you add to the definition of brokenness? So, with brokenness, let me just ask you this. Like, whenever you sin against God and you feel broken, what are some emotions that you feel going through your mind? Like, you feel shame, right? You feel anger towards yourself, guilt, um, distant from God. You know, when people think of brokenness, it's it's they think of a feeling, but brokenness is way beyond the feeling uh Vody Bachman um says this very very perfectly about brokenness he says this quote he says brokenness is the place to which we come when we recognize that all that we are all that we have and all that we do in and of ourselves is sorely and miserably insufficient when God crushes us under the weight of our own sin Basically, brokenness is an abrupt halt, saying that, stop, stop, you're doing something wrong. Confrontation, you know, brokenness is that, that, that moment in your, in your life that you need to have an abrupt halt, saying that, hey, you know, you're having sin in your life. Stop, you need to, you need to give it to God. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing. And so I would even add to the definition of brokenness, it's like, you have to have this broken and contrite heart. Um, I've heard a pastor once say um, that because we can't keep this law, we have to come to this place where we recognize, man, I'm doomed. I can't keep this. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can make myself right. Um, and... We have to come to that place where 
we must be broken over our sin, meaning we must be feeling that disconnection like Zach was saying. Like we have to understand like, man, I am separated from God and I don't even know how to be restored to Him. I feel guilty. I feel like so unworthy to even be in the presence of God. And every person has to come to that place in order to begin the process of being reconciled to a holy God. And so, Zach, why is it important for a follower of Jesus to understand the aspect of brokenness in their lives? We'll be back after a brief break. Hey, what's up, everyone? We really appreciate you listening to episodes here on Tethered. If you've been impacted in any way by these episodes, please subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date on when episodes drop. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, will you please consider rating this podcast in your favorite podcasting app? Please leave us a comment. Finally, please share this podcast with your friends and family on social media or however you share things. We would really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Tethered. Now back to the episode. We need to understand the aspect of brokenness because look at the life of Jesus. You know, I, I'm watching The Chosen, incredible show. And you see the, the encounters that Jesus had in that show. And you see these broken down people, you know, they, they want to look to Jesus. They want to be healed from their, um, their, their sicknesses. They want to have their sins washed, washed away. We need to understand the aspect of brokenness because that's like the only thing we have. David said in Psalm 51, you know, my sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart, you are not the spies. So we have to understand that that's that's all we have to give to God. We can't give anything like the old uh, Levitical law that we just, that's all we have to offer to him. Yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. Um, here's a quote from a guy um, named Samuel Rutherford. And this is what he said. He He put it so candidly. He says, seek a broken heart for sin, for without that, there is no meeting with Christ. And so this comes from his letters, um, uh, page 328. And we have to understand, like, apart from being broken over our sin, there is no remedy for our sin. We have to be in a place where we feel absolutely, you know, broken over the fact that there's nothing we can do to earn right standing before God. And Romans 6.23 says it so simply, for the wages of sin is death. Like, what we deserve is death. And so usually when I share the gospel, and I'm Zach, I'm sure you've done this too, um, we use this verse to showcase like what we deserve as a result of sin. And so the word wage essentially means something that you earn. And so think of like a, a job that you work at. Um, I work for crew. 
I mean, I earn a salary, and so for some people, they work hourly jobs. They get paid a wage, and so what we worked up to because of our sin is death, which means that eternal separation from God, the wrath of God. Um, but there is such good news that yeah. I am so thankful for. Um, that no amount of religious works can do in order to mm. remedy our sin before a holy and righteous God. And mm. so, that good news is Jesus himself, the great I am. If you've listened to the episode, the great I am, like, you have to understand that Jesus himself is God. God came down from heaven. God dwelt among us, it says in John chapter 1, 14. The word dwelt in the Greek is literally the word tabernacled. And so if you read the Old Testament, one of the ways that God indwelled with his people of Israel was through the tabernacle. And so meaning God pitched his tent among us in the flesh. Like the great I am being Jesus was fully God, fully man who lived a life we could never live. And he died the death that we deserve. He took on the wrath of God that we deserve and he imputed it on himself. Remember, the word impute means to take into account. And so Jesus himself took on that wrath that we completely deserve and he died a horrific, like, grotesque death in order to remedy our sin before a holy God. And he did that, dear listener, because he loves you. Zach, what would you say um, is the beauty of the gospel message there? The beauty of the gospel is that you, you see this man, Jesus, the life of Jesus, sinless. He committed no sin. He had so much opposition. Despite him doing miracles, considering that he is the fulfillment of the law, he still had opposition. Even the, the prophets said he's the rejected cornerstone. He is, he's going to be rejected. And you see that, you know, despite facing the opposition, living a sinless life, crucified on the cross and eventually raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. He did it for, you know, paying the penalty of our sins. And in John three sixteen, the, the staple Bible verse that every Christian should know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, I'm going to emphasize the word whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The word whosoever, whoever, not, you know, not just a white person, not just a black person, not just an Asian person or Hispanic, but anyone of race, any gender, you know, any age can come to the faith in Jesus. And all they got to do, Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the beauty. It's so simple. Uh, a pastor that we know, he said this a while back. He said, um, 
The gospel is so simple that a young child can grasp it, but at the same time, so complex that theologians can fill bookshelves of books about the gospel. Amen, Zach. Amen. Yeah. yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. That's beautiful. And part of that confession that Romans 10, 9 talks about is confessing him as Lord. And what Jesus, what Jesus calls us to do is this word repent. And so if you've never heard the word repent, repent, all it essentially means is having a paradigm shift in both your mm. mind and your heart. And that is to turn, do a complete 180 from your sin. And so when you confess Jesus as Lord, that's when you make that acknowledgement that you're a sinner and that you are brokenhearted, that you need a physician to heal you from your sin. And so there's this, this, this is a quote from an article um, by a guy named um, Scott Hubbard. He wrote for Desiring God. And this is what he says about having a broken heart. It says here, quote, A broken heart, then, is never an end in itself. Christ, our good physician, breaks a heart as a surgeon must sometimes break a bone. Only he can heal it better in the end. And then he quotes Psalm 147.3, which says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And then he says, And the sweetest medicine he gives is called grace, end quote. And so what repentance does is this action step that you take in order to turn away from your sin and receive the good gift that is His grace. And so what you get to experience as a result of you professing your faith in Jesus, that means you trust Him. You trust Him for the forgiveness of sin is that you receive His grace, which is getting something you don't deserve. And so which is restoration before a holy God. And you'll also get His mercy simultaneously, which is not getting what you deserve, which is the wrath of God. You're no longer His enemy if you make that confession by repenting of your sin and placing your faith and trust in Him alone. And when you do that, you get a chance to come into His kingdom, be adopted as His son, and receive his love. You're no longer his enemy. You're his friend. You're adopted as a son, it says in Ephesians chapter 1. You've been predestined to be conformed to his image. And so that is what you get as a result of taking this action step of repentance. And you have to come to that place where you acknowledge your brokenness. Um, this is what it says uh, in this article. Um, quote, Though bitter in itself... A broken heart can open our hands to welcome grace in deeper ways than ever before. Only after Isaiah was undone, remember, did he hear the comforting words, Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Mm. Only as Peter cowered condemned did Jesus say to him, Do not be afraid. And only after Paul cried, Wretched man that I am, did he say with equal force, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so brokenness is acknowledging like, I am wretched, I'm wicked, I'm undone. Meaning like, I cannot be in the presence of a holy God. Repentance, what that does is it takes that action like, I am wretched, I am undone. But take the coal, may be placed on your lips, 
and your sin is taken away. That is what Jesus mm-hmm. has done for you, dear listener. If you're listening to this, like I know that sin is very difficult to talk about. The consequences of sin, hell, is not a fun subject to talk about, but it must be discussed mm-hmm. because that is what makes the gospel beautiful. Amen. And so that is what you get as a result of mm-hmm. repenting. Um, Zach, is repentance a one-time thing? It is not a one-time thing. You know, if you look at the two definitions of repentance in the Greek and Hebrew, it requires two things. You know, one of them talks about, you know, literally turning a 180, turning your physical body away from that source of sin, and the other is a change of mind. So with repentance, it requires a change of mind and then the change of action. You know, as we're recording right now, we're you know, a few weeks past the holiday season. And I, uh, my sister and I watched uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, a classic. It talks about the, it's basically the origin story of Chris Kringle. And there's this character called the Winter Warlock. And the Winter Warlock was this big, mean wizard who scares people. And with the Winter Warlock encountering Chris Kringle, Chris Kringle you know, gave the Winter Warlock this gift. It was a toy, a toy train. And the Winter Warlock became human and he became very subtle and soft-spoken. And that's just kind of like the beauty of the gospel in a way, you know, is just, you know, Chris Kringle is like Jesus, you know, he gives this gift of salvation to us, you know, we're frozen and broken in our sin. And then, you know, with the Winter Warlock turning back into a human, he says, you know, how do I change? I feel like I'm mean. And then they play this song and Chris Kringle says, you put one foot in front of the other. And this song, you know, put one foot in front of the other. That's just a picture of daily repentance. As I was thinking, you know, I was watching this and that's what repentance is, you know, just like results, you know, it's not going to come day and night. It might be Lord willing, depending on the situation you have, but most of the time, you know, repentance is, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, you know, going one day at a time, constantly, you know, having each day an opportunity to to have a choice to worship the God who saved you. And that's what, you know, repentance is. It is not a one-time thing. It is a daily constant thing that you go back to i mean even jesus himself says that you must carry your cross to follow me daily and so that is in essence an act of like that constant denial of self or you can even say that daily repentance that one must undergo in order to follow jesus and so i'm really glad that you said that uh another verse that i have here this is a really well-known verse um it's you know, used by a lot of rappers to represent themselves. Um, their rap group name is called 116. Let's go. Um, but Romans oh, 116. Yes. yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Shout out to Lecrae and all those guys. But um, Romans 116 through 17, this is what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. And this is what it says right afterwards. A lot of people tend to miss this part of the verse. For 
In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. If you hone in on where it says revealed from faith for faith, from faith is that aspect of saving initial faith. It's that first time you ever repent. And so this is really important for us to know because when you make profession of faith in Jesus for the very first time, that secures you of the penalty of sin. Like that's a one-time deal. That's done. Like you no longer have to endure the penalty of sin, which is again, the wrath of God. But from faith is that ongoing trusting in Jesus beholding Jesus doing that work to set you free from the power of sin and so this is why it's important to stay tethered to Jesus day by day moment by moment because you cannot do life apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and only He working in you and through you can transform you into His image. And so that is why this text says, for faith. And then once you're in the presence of Jesus in His kingdom, then you're f- free from the presence of sin. And so I have a book here. Um, I've talked about it so much on this podcast. Like I'm actually going to do a book review on this, on this book. Um, So it'll be coming soon to the podcast. But this book is called Gospel Wakefulness. It's by Jared Wilson. Um, He's a a professor at Midwestern. He's the director of Conscious Strategy, um, and I love this guy. He's also a pastor at Liberty Baptist Church here in the Kansas City area. And one thing that I love is his heart of gospel wakefulness. And this is what he says about what our state is as a result of us being in Christ. It is true then that to be a Christian is to be sanctified and to be sanctified is to gradually become less and less sinful. But until Christ returns to consummate his kingdom, we will not be less a sinner. The astonishment in gospel wakefulness, in fact, leads me, Jared, to more keenly feel both that I am the chief of sinners in a new creation, to be in constant awe of the gospel is to be in constant despair of my sin, but constant delight of my loving Savior. This simultaneous recognition keeps me neither downcast by my sin nor arrogant of my, by, of my salvation, but rather bewildered over the manner of love that the Father has given me. I am simultaneously humbled and made confident, and it ends this way. I am increasingly amazed the more I simultaneously behold my sin and God's forgiveness for it and the covering of it and forgiveness about it. Dear listener, the reason why we have to stay tethered to Jesus, why we must behold Him, is because if we don't, then we try to go back to that state of, I have to do something to earn the righteousness of God. I'm just being honest. Now, there, are, there is work that we have to do, but we do that in the same tempo as God's Spirit is working in us. And so that's why we talk about reading your Bible. That's why we talk about remembering your story. 
That's why we talk about worshiping God through music. That's why we talk about discipleship. Why it's important to have it. Like, this is why we must stay tethered to Jesus. Because if we don't, then we go back to that religious duty of doing things for God instead of just being with God. You want to do great things for God. Of course you do. But we have to be in that constant awareness that we can't do anything apart from God. For man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so I just wanted to share that with you, dear listener, because I know it's easy to be discouraged that, yeah, even even after we're saved, we still sin. But that's also a beauty in itself because it shows us that we need Jesus. And so, which leads me to my next question for you, Zach. Why must the follower of Jesus be constantly broken over their sin? Why must we should be constantly broken over our sin? Because, you know, of sanctification. This reminds me of a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4. And it says in verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual morality. You could put any other sin in there. But it talks about, you know, sexual morality in this context of Thessalonians. That each of you should know how to control one's body in holiness and honor, not in passionate lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. The one who transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you before and solemnly warned you. Here's, here's the good one. Verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. We have to be constantly broken over our sin because of this verse. Verse 7. God did not call us as followers of Jesus for impurity, but we're called to live a holy life. We have to remember that whenever we experience brokenness. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And why must followers of Jesus, I kind of already talked about this, but maybe you can add a little bit to this. Why must followers of Jesus constantly repent over their sin? Because the more we weigh on on sin, the weight of sin, the more that we suppress it down, the more it's going to find us out. It's like that one verse in Numbers. I believe Numbers 30 is in the 30s, I know. But it talks about how your sin will find you out. You know, in, a, in the Proverbs, Proverbs 20, 13, whoever conceives or sin will not prosper, but whoever will, will seek healing. You know, and we have to repent. We have to turn away. We can't really play with fire. You know, sin is kind of like fire, you know. and uh, we have to just constantly just remember, you know, to repent, turn away, seek God every day. Yeah. Amen. I also think of first John chapter eight. I'm sorry. First John chapter one, verse eight, which says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then it goes to say in verse 10, if we say we have not sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we have to be in constant repentance of our sin because it shows us our need for God. And so, um, yeah, that's why we have to always be remembering, like, we're both sinners, but we're also saints. Yes, yes. That is our identity. Like, we no longer have to be defined by our sin. We are defined that we have a status that we're saints. Yeah. 
And so that is a mercy and a grace from God. And so, I mean, this question we've already talked about, what did Jesus do to remedy the penalty of sin? Maybe you could add to that a little bit more, Zach. What did Jesus do to remedy the penalty of sin? He basically was nailed on the cross. Go in the Gospels and you read about the crucifixions. You know, I don't know the, the right calculations, but he had to bear his cross for a long distance to Golgotha. You know, he was impaled on both hands. He was pelted on the side. He had a crown of thorns pressed on his head, blood oozing, and then he died. And then in that moment, you know, the remedy of our sin, you know, the consequence, the, the penalty of sin finally went on to Jesus in that moment. And we have to remember that, you know, the sin, you know, the life he lived is the life we don't deserve, but the death he had. It's the death that we deserve. You know, we don't deserve the life that Jesus lived, you know, to be a Christ likeness. Though we are, we still sin. Again, going back previously in this podcast, we talked about how, you know, we still have the sinful nature within us. We're still being sanctified. But the moment that either Christ returns or we die, we breathe our last breath, you know, we are glorified. You know, we're glorified. We can be with the Father forever. Amen. And, and yeah, yeah. That's awesome, Zach. Thanks yeah. for sharing that with the listener. Yeah, dear listener, I mean, what, what we've said so far, you might be thinking like, so what do I need to do then in order for me to live like Christ has called me to live? And so, Zach, this question is not on, this, on the script here, but what are some practical ways that you know, followers of Jesus can, you know, confess sin? Like, what are some practical ways? So practical ways of confessing sin, you know, two things, you know, you confess your sins to God and you confess your sins to others. Um, you know, First John 1, 9 with God, you know, if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of all of unrighteousness. Um you know, with confessing to others. Another thing too, practically, community. You need community in your lives. Both of uh, Joey and I, we're in community groups with brothers in Christ that we love dearly, that we go to them for hard things. They ask hard questions. We ask hard questions to them to keep each other accountable for us to strive for one goal, and that's to run towards Christ faster and harder. You know, James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Um, very practical ways of confessing sin. Um, also practically too, with repenting, uh, mainly is, you know, change of mind, change of action, you know, some just kind of like, you know, decluttering your mind, you know, Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not things of this world. Um, with that, you might need to change, you know, what you look at. Maybe you need to change what you listen to. Maybe you need to change what you go to. You know, you might need to, uh, I don't know, listen, listen to different music. You know, you might need to watch different shows or not go on a certain website. Um, maybe some of you, you need to get out of a, you're not don't have to go to a physical place. You need to just don't go there at all. Those are just some practical things. You know, it goes back to, you know, Matthew 5, 
Jesus says, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If your right can cause you to sin, chop it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye or one hand than for your entire body to be thrown into the fiery lakes of hell, into yeah. the depths of hell. Yeah. Basically, do whatever it takes for you to get this sin out of your life, to not allow the opportunity of the sin to kind of screech back into your life. So that's, that's what I can answer about some practical ways for you, for all of us to confess and to repent. Yeah. Another thing I would add to is just the importance of being part of a local church. Um, if you listen to the episode, mm, students yep. assemble, like th- it was mostly geared towards college students, but can be really applicable to anybody. It's important to submit yourself under the authority of a local church. And I know for some of you that might be listening to this, the church is, you've had trauma from the church. And I'm really sorry if that was your personal experience with the church. Like, I want to apologize on behalf of the Big C Church for the trauma you had to endure. And sometimes maybe that's because you've confessed sin. And so my urging to you is submit yourself to a church that mm-hmm. authentically preaches the scriptures, sub- that they yeah. execute both truth and love and grace. Mm. Like, it's so important to be under the authority of elders that are actually walking in accordance to the scriptures because they're held to a higher standard. Yep. And so get yourself under a local church that is genuinely living out what the Bible teaches. And so that would be another way you can do that. And that's how you can find biblical community is through the local church. And then discipleship. Like it's important for you to be under discipleship through someone, preferably that's older than you, more mature in the faith, that you can meet with him one-on-one to be able to have those hard discussions that he can call you out in love and grace to show you where you fall short, to show you your sin. Because God can use that to begin that healing process. I mean, James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. It is working. And that is God that is working in you. And here's what's even more beautiful about when you confess your sins. When When you pray and you confess your sins... Not only are you confessing that to God, but God Himself is interceding for you. When you don't know when to pray, the Spirit Himself intercedes for you, says in Romans chapter 8. And in Hebrews, it says that Jesus Himself is interceding for you. And so the beautiful thing is, all Jesus wants you to do is to come to Him. He wants you to behold Him. And that is, these are practical ways for you to you know, confess your sin. And sometimes that may mean you may need to escape somewhere. Get alone with the Lord, maybe in a place of solitude. That can be in nature. That can be in a room, in a private room. Lock your door. I mean, the Bible even says, like, if you, if you, when you pray, shut the, shut the door. Close the windows. And Ooh. confess your sins to God. And it's important to confess your sins to God because it even says in the Word, like, if you don't confess your sins... I mean, it's better for you to leave your gift at the altar and make things right before you offer your gift. And so 
Yeah, it's very essential for you to confess your sin. And I know it's terrifying. It is terrifying to confess sin. Like, I can just give you an example from my own life. Like, I committed a grievous sin not too long ago. And I was so afraid to confess it. But I knew deep down, like, I have to confess this to God, first and foremost. But also I have to confess it to my community. I have to confess it to my employer. Remember, I work for a ministry. Um, so it's important to confess it to my leaders. But it's also important to confess it to mentors of mine. And I'm so grateful that I did that because it caused me to be healed. It caused me to walk in the light again. And here's what's even more beautiful. Jesus opens his arms to you. Think about the son in Luke chapter 15. He committed so many sins that he couldn't even go to his father in terms of like, I just want to work for my father. But his father runs to him, embraces him, kisses him, throws him a feast. That is what God does for you if you come back to him. And so that would be just my encouragement to you, dear listener, as you consider how to practically um, confess your sins. And so here's my final question for you, Zach. Um, Why is it important for a follower of Jesus to stay tethered to Jesus in order to grasp day by day how beautiful the gospel is? Just like, you know, how we eat food to provide nutrients in our body, you know, spending time with Jesus, going to him in prayer, in in word, uh, in the Bible, you know, we have to be spiritually uh, nourished, you know. And for us, you know, wicked, janky people, you know, that we have issues and we have problems and we're sinners. But you have to remember, you know, the God that we know, you know, I it's so awesome to hear, you know, going back to the life of Jesus. Uh, there's a story in uh, Matthew and Mark. It talks about how Jesus was having dinner with these sinners and tax collectors. Right. And these are people, you know, that he's having spending time, you know, having fellowship that society at that time will basically frown upon talking tax collectors, you know, robbers, prostitutes, and you see them having dinner together. And, you know, these Pharisees came along and they were baffled. They were irate. They were just telling the disciples, hey, why does your rabbi, why does your teacher eat with sinners and tax collectors and wretched people? And then Jesus said this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You know, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and, you know, study about this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not called for the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we have to stay tethered to Jesus to remember, you know, that he does not want your deeds. He wants your hearts. And that is so encouraging, you know, because we can do all we can for God or uh, basically for religion. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have our, we need to have our hearts aligned with what Christ wants and that he wants our broken hearts and he wants to put it back together. Yeah. Amen, Zach. Amen. 
Yeah, dear listener, I know this was a heavy episode. I know that the topic we talked about was heavy on your heart, but it's important to understand why Jesus did what he did. Why we stay tethered to him. Because he himself is so good to us, even when we don't deserve it. And I'm so grateful that we have that relationship with the Lord. But And that's why we go on mission. Because we want to share the good news with people who are far from God, who don't know God. And so, because we have this good news for ourselves. And something that you mentioned too, Zach, that I loved what you said, is it comes from Hosea 6. Um, six, and this is what it says For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice The knowledge of God rather than burnt offering So the knowledge of God It here refers to knowing God um, Like loving God intimately And so when we stay tethered to Jesus We don't just know about God we are intimate with him. We have that intimate saving relationship with him. We love him. We treasure him. We savor his power more sweetly. And so it's awesome that God desires that from his people. And this was written to the Israelites who were not living in accordance. They were just continuing to offer those sacrifices or you could say religion. God doesn't desire your religious works. Although doing works is a good thing. If you understand the motivation of why you're doing those things, like if your works is based off your salvation, that's the fruit of your salvation is good works, not the root of your salvation. And so it is important for us to recognize that all God wants is our hearts. And we may be broken, but God wants us just to come to him broken and heavy laden. And what does the word say he'll do? He will give us rest. And so I want to end on that note. And thank you again, Zach, for coming on to this podcast. Um, We really appreciate having you today. Did you have any final thoughts that you wanted to share with the listeners? No, just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. And so thank you again for tuning into Tethered. Um, we will see you next time and have a great, great day. To God be the glory. this episode please share it with your friends and family please also tap the subscribe button to receive notifications when new episodes are published you can also follow tethered on instagram by clicking on the link in the episode notes hope this episode has encouraged you built you up and blessed you to god be the glory see you next time god bless